0: The president's authority to grant a pardon. It is in the U.S. Constitution, a source of consideration, debate, and discussion. Ultimately, the decision comes down to one person, the president of the United States. But how does he decide who gets pardoned? Our guest this week is Susan Block, a professor of law at Georgetown University here in Washington. She joins us to talk about the use of presidential pardons, its origins in the Constitution, and how previous presidents have used it dating back to George Washington.
1: Now, therefore, I, Gerald R. Ford, President of the United States, pursuant to the pardon power conferred upon me by Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution, have granted and by these presents do grant a full free and absolute pardon unto Richard Nixon for all offenses against the United States which he, Richard Nixon, has committed or may have committed or taken part in during the period from July 20, 1969 through August 9, 1974.
0: The most significant pardon in presidential history, and Professor Susan Block, let me begin on that point. As Gerald Ford giving Richard Nixon a full and unconditional pardon, what does that mean, and what did that mean for Richard Nixon?
2: What it means is that you, uh, if you haven't been already convicted, you cannot be convicted. Um, If you have been already convicted, then the conviction is erased. In in Nixon's case, it was unusual because he had never even been officially convicted or even indicted. Um, And it was prospective, it was going forward, and in that sense it was unusual. Typically a pardon uh, is given to someone who's finished their sentence, and the pardon erases the conviction and leaves them um, without a record. What Ford did was, as I say, unusual. Um, And he did it, he said, to restore tranquility to the country, which is one of the important reasons that the pardon power was given to the president.
0: As somebody who has studied presidential pardons, it's been more than four decades. Was it the appropriate step?
2: I personally believe it was. I think the country um, accepted it. It was unusual, and it was never tested in court. Um, Some people say that a pardon prospectively like that might not have even been uh, constitutionally permissible. But because Nixon was never indicted and never had to sort of plead the pardon in court, we actually don't know. Um, But I do think it put the whole Watergate event behind us, I think that was an important thing to do, and I think it was a a judicious use of the pardon power.
0: President Ford referring to Article 2, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution, in which the president, quote, shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. Explain.
2: Well, I think what what the Constitution means by that is that if someone is impeached, impeached and removed from office um, there is nothing that a pardon can do for him or her in terms of erasing the impeachment or putting them back in office. sometimes when you're impeached there's an addition in addition to being removed from office um, you may be precluded from ever holding another federal office and what the pardon power doesn't allow anyone to do is to either erase the impeachment or erase the consequences of impeachment. So, But it doesn't say anything about whether you can be pardoned from uh, criminal prosecution thereafter.
0: Why was this included in the Constitution? What were the founders thinking?
2: Pardon power is a typical executive power. Uh, Usually the king had it. Um, And it's for two principal purposes. One is for mercy, in case the president or king thinks that some kind of uh, conviction was inappropriate or too harsh, because the pardon power both erases a conviction and can mitigate and reduce a sentence. Uh, So part of the reason for the pardon power was, as an act of mercy, The other significant part was to restore tranquility to the country. And when Alexander Hamilton described the pardon power, as he did in Federalist 74, he said it was for those two purposes, one, mercy, and two, restoring tranquility. And George Washington used the tranquility aspect, and so also did President Ford.
0: And with regard to George Washington, that was back in 1791, pardoning men involved in the Whiskey Rebellion.
2: Why? Uh, the Whiskey Rebellion uh, was a, a protest against a tax on whiskey, um, and it was a federal tax. These This group of people did not think it was appropriate. They rebelled and were prosecuted. And what George Washington did was uh, um, gave them a pardon for their actions in this federal crime.
0: Another high-profile pardon, another president, Gerald Ford, was succeeded by Jimmy Carter and one of his first acts, pardoning the draft dodgers, and said it wasn't amnesty. A pardon needed to be done because he basically said a pardon is whether you're right or wrong, you are forgiven. Can you elaborate?
2: Again, I think what Carter was doing was trying to use the pardon to restore domestic tranquility. Vietnam War was a very divisive war. The guys, and I think it was only guys, <laughs> who served in the Vietnam War came back and were not viewed as heroes. Um, they so whatever trauma they experienced in Vietnam was only compounded when they came back here and were blamed for following orders. And Jimmy Carter. Um, saw the Vietnam War as a very divisive war, saw the Vietnam veterans and the, the protesters who uh, defied the draft or evaded it in some way were also viewed as um, traitors. Um, and what Carter was trying to do was, again, restore domestic tranquility and put that unfortunate past behind us.
0: As a professor at Georgetown University School of Law, you have been teaching this subject since the early 1980s. Why is this of interest to you?
2: Well, I'm interested in, I guess, the whole Constitution. um, And the pardon power is becoming very controversial again. Um, So I think it's an extraordinary power that the president is given. He undoes a conviction or as in. Uh, The Ford case, he precludes even a trial and a conviction. So it's a a very dramatic power, and I'm interested in the way it's been used historically and um, in the future.
0: Well, let me come back to that point, because as you indicated, a president can pardon someone who has not yet even been convicted or even charged with a crime. Why?
2: Again, I think the main reason that the pardon power can be used that way is— Less for mercy and more for restoring or somewhat protecting domestic tranquility. And if the president believes that a trial and a possible conviction is so traumatic for the country that it ought to be um, prohibited, that's what the pardon power um, is in part designed to do.
0: Professor Block with the modern presidency up until Donald Trump. What has been the process? How does a president decide whether to pardon someone, and who gives that president the information?
2: Pardons are usually um, requested um, from the Justice Department. There's an office of the pardon attorney, um, which is specifically—the pardon attorney is a person, um, and the the pardon attorney obviously has an office, so the request for a pardon goes to that office— and the office does research to see whether the person what the person has done, whether they fit the criteria for a pardon, um, and they'll make a recommendation to the president. The president um, doesn't have to follow it. I think most presidents typically do, but not always. And uh, that's the usual procedure. Um, I don't believe Donald Trump is using that procedure.
0: I want to come back to that point. typically, Do most of the pardons happen in the final weeks or the final days of a presidency?
2: Typically, they do um, occur in the final days of a presidency, but there are exceptions. Obviously, Ford's um, pardoning of Nixon happened early in the presidency, in Ford's presidency. And again, because Ford was trying to put the past behind us and erase or at least mitigate some of the bad effects of Watergate, He used the pardon power early, so it can be used any time. But usually it's used toward the end of the presidency.
0: In the final hours of the Clinton presidency, a famous pardon of Mark Rich that later received an awful lot of scrutiny. I want to talk about that, but first here is what Eric Holder, now the former attorney general in the Obama administration, told the Senate Judiciary Committee. This is from February of 2001.
3: You know, I don't know what precisely motivated the president and who he who he spoke to. What were the things that were going through his mind as he decided to um, look upon the pardon request favorably? Um, and it is true. I mean, I'm not naive, and I don't want to, you know, give the American people a, a bill of goods. Connections obviously help. I mean, there are. to Be very honest with you. You know, I get we get requests or we get expressions of support from members of Congress to, from for people who are perhaps better connected than than the average guy but I think what the folks in the partner attorney's office have done is a good job in Really trying to separate that from the substance and really what ought to be the motivating things and deciding what kinds of recommendations they're they're going to make.
0: Those comments from Attorney Eric Holder, February fourteenth, two thousand and one. He would later go on to serve as the Attorney General in the Obama White House. And one aspect of the Mark Rich connection that Eric Holder admitted is that connections help. Professor Block, can you touch on that?
2: I think that um, Eric Holder was being very honest and. Uh, I do think connections help. Uh, The Office of Pardon Attorney, uh, I believe, tries not to be influenced by connections, but um, in order to get the Office of Pardon Attorney and then the president to focus on you, you've got to have some way of getting into their uh, eyesight, if you will. Um, And so connections do help. I think we... um, I think again. I think the office tries to reduce the and minimize the effect of um, connections, but I guess being realistic, um, they, as Eric Holder said, they, they do count.
0: And can someone refuse a pardon if the president wants to give you a commutation or give you a pardon? Can you say I really don't want it?
2: Yes, you can refuse it. Um, I'm not sure how often that happens, but. Uh, it is understood that you could say no, thank you.
0: So let's talk about President Donald Trump. Is his process unusual?
2: Yes. Uh, it's very unusual because I think he's not going through the Office of Pardon Attorney. Um, he's
3: admitted as such.
2: Right. Well, that makes it definite. <laughs> um, I don't know that. Yes. Yeah, so the pardons that he's given so far are um, pardons that he's decided he'd like to give Um and as we just noted, he, he's not going through the office thus far. It's only his first year, so I guess we don't know what happens in the future. But he seems to be using it much like the king did. Um anything that comes to his attention that he thinks warrants a pardon, he'll just do it.
0: Based on your expertise of the U.S. Constitution, if Congress does not agree with a pardon, can they overrule the executive branch?
2: Absolutely not. Um, Congress has no role in... The pardon power. Uh, when Hamilton wrote the Federalist, 90, uh, 74, sorry, um, he debated whether or not, the founders debated whether or not to have some kind of congressional approval required. And they decided no, um, it, was, it was appropriate that it just be the president. Um, they didn't want it to get bogged down. They thought that there might be times when the president would have to act quickly. Uh, They were trying to avoid partisanship. So this power was uh, derived from the king's power, and it was a power given to uh, the president.
0: And if the power were ever to be taken away, Congress would then have to uh, pass a law. It would have to be changed in the U.S. Constitution, correct?
2: Congress could not pass a law that would impact the pardon. Uh, The only way to change the pardon power would be by a constitutional amendment, not by statute.
0: Let's turn to what President Trump said recently about presidential pardons, including Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and he makes reference to Barack Obama and his use of the presidential pardon authority. Let's listen.
1: President Obama commuted the sentence of Chelsea Manning, who leaked countless sensitive and classified documents to WikiLeaks, perhaps, and others. But horrible, horrible thing that he did, commuted the sentence and perhaps pardoned. President Obama commuted the sentence of Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was charged as part of a violent independence group from Puerto Rico, responsible for 28 Chicago area bombings and many deaths in the 1970s and 1980s. Sheriff Joe is a patriot. Sheriff Joe loves our country. Sheriff Joe protected our borders. And Sheriff Joe was very unfairly treated by the Obama administration, especially right before an election, an election that he would have won. So, and he was elected many times. So, um, I stand by my pardon of Sheriff Joe, and I think the people of Arizona who really know him best would agree with me.
0: So there you have President Trump, Professor Block, explaining why he pardoned Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And that was really the first of now a series of very high-profile pardons and using what Barack Obama did as a defense for what he is doing. Can you elaborate?
2: Yeah, I think what Trump is doing is, you know, contrasting his pardoning of someone who was a uh, law enforcement official um, made Perhaps, you know, a mistake, faced a conviction, hadn't served any time, and he was comparing it with um, two people that Trump, that uh, Obama pardoned, who were uh, not particularly likable people. Uh, Manning had uh, let out secrets. Uh, Lopez apparently was violent, and nonetheless, um, Obama had pardoned them. And I think what Trump is doing is saying, well, he pardoned these bad people. I'm going to pardon this good law enforcement person. Once again, just distinguishing himself or trying to distinguish himself from Obama.
0: President Trump also had pardoned former heavyweight boxing champ Jack Johnson. He had passed away. And my question is, we know that the president can pardon someone who is no longer living, but why? What's the reasoning behind that?
2: Well, it it doesn't have a a lot of effect because obviously the person... (laughs) does not know about it, and or presumably doesn't know about it, and doesn't, you know, there's no effect. I, I think it's a, I guess it's a PR move.
0: So, based on all of this, can a president pardon himself?
2: That's a really difficult question, a $64,000 question for those of us who can remember what that show was about. Um, the Constitution is silent on that question, uh, and it only says that the president may grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. So the pardon power can't protect a president from impeachment. It obviously can't undo an impeachment. It doesn't say anything about whether the president can grant the pardon to himself. I originally thought that the silence suggested that maybe the president could, that he might face impeachment as a result because a president pardoning himself sounds like an obstruction of justice. And that is an impeachable offense. So he might get removed. But the big, the only way we'll know whether a pardon, whether a president can pardon himself, is if a president does do it, then gets indicted or is indicted somehow, either before or after, and then pleads the pardon in a courtroom and says, you can't in- charge me, you can't try me because I have this pardon. And then a court would presumably rule on the validity of the pardon pardon I I have come to believe that the president cannot pardon himself I think that puts him above the law it makes him more like the king and we fought a revolution to make sure our president was not the king and was not above the law uh, the Justice Department in the Nixon administration addressed the question and they concluded that a president may not uh, pardon himself I don't know if if Trump might try that. Um, but I think the better answer is that the President may not pardon himself.
0: If that were to happen and I underscore if, would that create a constitutional crisis?
2: Well, yes, I believe it would. I think what would happen is if the President said, um, "I'm pardoning myself for any and all crimes I've committed. By the way, the pardon power only affects federal offenses. so even if somehow that Trump, President Trump got a pardon either from himself or from, let's say, Vice President Pence if he became president, that pardon only protects against federal offenses. It would not protect against any state offenses. And as we know, New York State Attorney General is um, working on uh, alleged crimes committed by Trump. And the pardon, even if it's valid for federal offenses, would not be valid for that. Going back then to what happens if the president pardons himself, um, I believe it would be seen to be an obstruction of justice. He would be protecting himself from federal prosecution or attempting to protect himself from federal prosecution, um, probably protecting his family from federal prosecution. And I think that a so-called well-functioning Congress would see that as uh, an impeachable offense and would start impeachment proceedings. And I believe impeachment is a constitutional crisis. It's it's a, it's the way the Constitution should work, So and it does work well. So whether we want to call it a crisis or not is a matter of semantics, but it would be a, a major event.
0: As you look at the current situation, Michael Cohen, Paul Manafort... Uh, Michael Flynn. If the president were to pardon them, he can do so even if they don't face formal charges or if they are convicted before they serve time?
2: Yes, he can pardon all those people, Uh, again, only for federal crimes. So um, many of them might also be facing state crimes, in which case the pardon would be ineffective. But yes, he he can pardon them, and he can pardon them before they get convicted, after they get convicted, even before they get charged. Again,
0: based on what you were saying, the president can do so uh, even if it could be viewed by some as an obstruction of justice, of trying to block an investigation or block a trial.
2: If it is viewed as an obstruction of justice, um, then it would possibly be an impeachable offense, but that would not um, make the pardon any less effective for those individuals who get the pardon.
0: This is admittedly a, uh, a what-if question, but if you could go back and talk to the founders about this clause in the U.S. Constitution, what would you ask them, and what do you think they would view the current situation in our country today in terms of a president and his pardon authority?
2: I believe that the founders would be um, opposed to the idea of a president pardoning himself. Um, they had just finished fighting a war against a king that was above the law and uh, was thought to have abused his pardon powers. Uh, So I don't think they would approve of a president pardoning himself. I think they'd be quite shocked at the question.
0: Professor Susan Lowe block thank you for the tutorial. In your class at Georgetown University School of Law, we appreciate you being with us here in our C-SPAN radio studios.
2: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to C-SPAN's The Weekly Podcast. We hope you subscribe to this podcast and find other episodes, including at Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.